welcome to Smarten Up, the show where we demystify the complex world of tax and provide practical business insights. I'm your host, Sally Preston. As a business owner, I know how frustrating it can be when it seems hard to access understandable information, particularly when the topic is as complex as the tax law. So in this podcast, we will explore topics to help you make smarter decisions when it comes to your business taxes, which will ultimately benefit your bottom line. Whether you are starting up in business or have been in business for years, this podcast aims to become an essential part of your financial toolkit. Welcome to Smarten Up, your tax and business podcast. My name is Sally Preston and I'll be your host. And today I have with me Kylie Wilson, who is a partner with Spark Helmore Lawyers and specialises in succession, exit of businesses. Actually, you specialise in a lot of things, really, don't you? A few things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's got an but amazing succession amount. succession exit is certainly one of them. Succession yeah. exit. So what we're going to talk about today is just that. We've been talking to our business owners about a lot of things in business and one of the key things that we find business owners grappling with is what happens if they do want to exit or leave the business to somebody else or... And how to do that and planning for it because one of, realistically, unfortunately, the only certain thing in life is that at some point we're all going to have to exit whatever we're doing and thinking about that in advance is a significant issue and an area where we see a lot of problems for a whole range of reasons that include unexpected tax outcomes mm-hmm. because it happens suddenly and disputes in particular. Yes. And so you're going to give us, I mean, this is your day to day. This is what you spend yep. your world doing. Yeah. Is helping family businesses, private businesses exit yeah. their business. Look at what the long-term plan is, but we prefer to do it particularly where we can on a long-term basis because where we see the biggest problems is someone comes in to see us. We're lawyers, not accountants. So accountants know the ins and outs on a yearly day-by-day basis, we're there to solve a problem. And sometimes what happens is that a client will come in and that doesn't matter whether it's an SME with a group of third parties in the business together or a family business or even a sole trader will come in and say, I have to exit and I have to exit quickly. And that might be because of a health issue. It might be because of a related family problem, a whole range of reasons. But when you're doing it quickly, that's where it can be far more expensive than would otherwise Mm. have been. And then also not having planned for if you actually don't get to plan at all. So if you have an accident, TPD, total permanent disability or death, we see a lot of businesses that don't have any planning, even at shareholder level, around what happens if that happens to a key player. So thinking about those things from a long-term perspective, because it's very hard when you're in business, because when you're in business, you're focusing on the business. So your day-by-day focus tends to be what are the day-by-day business issues And these things often get put to the side, Mm. but the key to doing it successfully, irrespective of what your business is, is actually thinking about it long-term and putting in place a strategy for that. doesn't matter how early that is. Mm. So we're going to run through some of those scenarios or some of those examples of when or why you might be looking at this sort of work and getting some assistance with it and why it's so important that you do think about that well in advance of needing it. Yeah. And so... Kylie, I think you've got, I mean, as I said, this is your day-to-day. This is exactly what you spend your life talking about to people and then executing, which is the most important part of any plan. Let's talk about if they think, so as a business owner, if one of our business owners is planning on exiting by a sale to an open market. Yeah. 
So they just want to put it up for sale and want to be able to sell it and exit. And a really common problem with this is a couple of things. One is not preparing in advance, not understanding who your target market is. So thinking about what your business is, how clean is it? Doing a lot of work with your accountant. And you don't mean as in, have you swept the floor? No. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The due diligence is a big issue. So because the problem with due diligence is most contracts these days will have a period of time, even if someone says I'm going to buy it, where there's a condition that revolves around due diligence. So, and that means providing all your financials, providing all information about employees, all of those associated issues to do with your business, how you deal with stock, et cetera, if that's your type of business, those sort of things. If there are any issues within that, you might sink yourself. Mm. So understanding if you're going to sell on the market well in advance, who you're selling to, if that's the target market, what sort of things are they going to be looking for? Making sure in particular, because a lot of businesses, let's say we're talking about even just a partnership. So coffee shop down the street, couple of people in partnership together, decide they don't want to be in partnership together, don't want to be in the coffee business anymore and want to sell it out on the open market. What's sitting in there? So do we have employees with a lot of long service leave entitlements or things like that? Does that need to be looked at? What contracts do they have? Do they have an enterprise bargaining agreement? Those sort of things. Is there money owing to the partners? Yes. And how is all of that done? So the earlier you look at those things, because some of those things discretionary trust, for example, which we've talked about fairly frequently. (laughs) If you've got loans and things sitting in there, you're moving shares away. What are your tax consequences? Do you need to look at a restructure to make it actually attractive on the open market? Because depending on what your structure is, Mm. that might not be at all attractive on the open market. Mm. So getting some advice around that in advance so that you know what's there Mm. can save a lot of pain at the point that you're putting it up. Yeah, and I think so. that I think that we've also talked on a prior podcast about the difference between selling shares in a company yeah. and an actual business. Now, in a partnership, you really, mm. unless you really have no choice but to sell the business. That's right. And does someone yeah. want to come buy the business? Would they prefer that? Would they yeah. prefer be happy to buy shares in a company instead? Yeah, exactly. Is that, exactly. Is that, so do yeah. you actually have the right structure for who your target market yeah. is? So understanding what your business what your business is, first yep. of all, because it's quite interesting in that people who will work in businesses frequently don't think, what is it that I have? Mm. So what's the value of it? And sometimes getting some advice around that value before you go to market as well. And what is actually going to maximise my sale price? Yeah. So if you're selling on the open market, your purpose for doing that is to make sure that you can exit with a return for all the work you've put in for the business. The higher return will come if you've actually prepared well in advance. Agree. Yeah. Agree. And yeah, you're right. I think it's a good point that you make is that that process of selling that business can take quite a while. Yeah. Doing your housework. Yeah. Housekeeping, make sure it's up to date, which is your financial and legal contracts. All those sort of yeah. that housekeeping is schmick because yeah. when we someone does exactly a due diligence, yeah. they're going to go back and look at your business for the last for multiple years. Yeah. It's not just it's usually a at le- usually at least three. Yeah. And they're going to drill through what's been in there in the last three years. Are there any problems here that they're actually going to inherit if they take over the business? Yes. And if there's something they're going to inherit, the two things are going to happen. They're either going to sink the contract altogether or they're going to want to negotiate a downward in price. Yes. So where you actually know what's in there and you can clean it up in advance, preferably at least three years in advance, which is why we say you need time, then you're less likely to have those complexities which can then lead to things obviously like increased legal costs, arguments between lawyers about contract terms, 
all of that sort of thing. No one wants to pay money to lawyers more than they have to. So <laughs> the earlier you do this work, the less likely that is. Better off. Yeah. So what if they instead were going to sell to a key employee? Yeah, so where we see issues there are more frequently someone thinking, okay, I don't have a next generation I want to take over this business. I don't really want to sell it on the open market, but I've got some key employees that know the business well, I really like, I feel like they're invested in it, and so over time we'll transition out to them. Key is hanging on to them at that point. So there are a few things that you have to think about around employees, around communication, around things like how do we structure them to be involved in the business and stay in the business and is that an equity involvement? And there are a whole range of things you need to think about if you're thinking about employees coming in on an equity level. So, And you've done a podcast as well, I think, on employee share schemes. They've been made a bit more generous last year, but there's still a lot of complexities in those. You need to think, do I actually fit within that regime? Is that a way to get people in? Are there other things I need to think about in that scenario? If you are also, from a pure succession perspective, putting all your long-term planning into key employees, have you insured them? Mm, That's a good point. Um, Because if something happens to that key employee, that might be a really big loss to the business. Mm. So key person insurance, talking to an insurance broker about those sort of issues as well, all should be part of your long-term planning when you're thinking about, will I have employees ultimately taking over this business? Really, really crucial with employees taking over the business that you're really across what the plan is and how you're documenting it. Because longer term, what's to stop them just leaving? Mm. What sort of things do you need to think about to keep them there? And then have you covered off, if I've done these things to keep them there and they still leave, am I getting a return back for my investment that doesn't damage the business in the process so employees in particular can create some complexities that you really need to make sure you've got advice particularly from your accountant around what your options are as far as them coming in on a Mm. on an equity level and then on the legal side making sure that's really well documented yes and the scheme whatever you put in place for them is appropriate for what you're trying to achieve and then just thinking about because again in any business have a really good analysis of are these the right people? Mm. You know, is this actually what the long-term plan is? If you're the sort of person, and most people who've created their own businesses are, this is my legacy, are they the right people stepping in? Mm. That, that's like an early initial point. If you're really comfortable with that, you know they know the business well, then you probably don't want to lose them. So then get the advice around, well, how do I keep them here? Mm. Do I need to look at equity investment? If I'm doing that, what are my options that are best for tax purposes, best for dispute purposes and structuring purposes. Yep. Yeah. Good point. Yep. So let's say the business owner has a business that they plan on giving to or want their children to step into or maybe some of their children, not all. Yeah. You know, this is one that's close to my heart. Oh, yes. I know you spend a lot, a lot of time <laughs> I do. in uh, be, this Being space. an accredited family business advisor, I do do a lot in the family business space. And it is probably the area I've talked a few times, depending on sale and depending on employees, et cetera, about disputes. This is probably the largest area where disputes are really problematic. And the reason I think sometimes that disputes are so problematic is that there's emotion involved because it's family mm. and then commercial reality becomes... Mm. less of a priority 
Like That's I love my brothers, way. but I couldn't think of anything worse than being in business with them. Yeah. No. Actually, yeah, yeah no, no. Yeah. And some of the problems with family business from a succession and exit perspective will be it's still a business. Mm. So you need to think about the business as a business and then think about, well, how does this intersect with the family? Some of the, Because where we look at these things, we often see in family business someone saying, well, I've had someone in this business for 20 years and they're involved in everything, but ultimately when I'm gone, this is mum and dad, when I'm gone, I want it all shared three ways. Mm. Well, is that actually fair? Yeah. Is that actually what's best for the business as opposed to the family? Yes, you may still want to leave something to the family, but that's where the key to long-term planning is even more important. Yeah. Because if you've got someone completely invested in your business, just let's say one child rather than all of them, mm. how am I planning outside of the business to provide inheritance for others? And what am I doing so that the business doesn't become completely tied up in a family-related dispute? Yeah. So things like even if you've got a company, shares owned in personal names, your estate challenge risks are going to be extremely High. And so when you say estate challenge risks, maybe we can have a quick yep. a synopsis of what that, what that, that looks like. So irrespective of what state you're in, there will be legislation that says that a testator, being the person who drafts a will, has an obligation to provide for certain people. In Queensland, it's always includes children. Pretty much every state it does. New South Wales, it's even more problematic because it's not just what you own personally. It can be everything else as well. But one of the issues is, let's say I was talking about shares in personal names. What a lot of people don't realise is I've got a company and they think, well, everything's fine because the assets are in the company. Mm. If your shares are in your personal name, those become assets in your will. So your actual value of your company is sitting in your will. Mm. Now, where you are just planning for a business transition in a will, the whole issue of estate challenges can become a problem depending on what your family dynamics are. So... Anything in a will will be subject to, in Queensland, it's part four of the Succession Act, which says certain people can make an application to court. It's always children. It's also stepchildren. Anyone and, else? And that you don't mean it? just underage children. You mean children of They no don't have what to age. be dependent. Yeah, yeah, they don't have to be dependent. Yeah. And say, I was not adequately provided for mm. by the terms of your will. The commercial reality of this area is the problem becomes, even if they're, let's call them, well, not particularly hard to do. So even if, if even if those children have are fairly comfortable and they bring a claim because they say, well, brother got all the business and that business was worth $10 million and I only got a million, for mm. example, and they bring a claim for further provision and your shares are held in personal names and they're part of your, your whole business is frozen yep. by that estate While challenge. While sort yep. that out. So the commercial wow. reality is even if the court, based on all the case law and all the legislation on what someone should be provided with, even if the court wasn't likely to award them a huge amount more, the commercial reality is the costs of the legal fees mm. because in high-value estates, even if the applicant loses, the costs are normally paid by the estate. Yeah. So wow. it becomes this commercial issue of, well, what do we pay to make that stop before we go to trial and end up with a heap more legal costs? You can understand it, but at the same time, if you've had one person working hard to help you build that business, so let's yep. say, you know, you pass on and you're 90 and your kids are 60 and they've worked in it since they were 30. Yep. And the court, child, the court will still take that into account. Yep. I mean, that'll still be taken into account. The problem is the commercial reality. Yeah. Even in taking into account 
by the time it gets to the court taking into account, mm. you've gone through the whole process to get to trial. Yeah. So your legal fees to get there and everyone's got, it will be separately represented. So I had one primary production family a couple of years ago in New South Wales, good grazing business. Mum and dad owned the main grazing property. Three kids over time, dad, his succession plan was, I will buy a property as tenants in common with each of my three children Mm -hmm. and in my will I'll leave that to them. Yep. So they'll get their own properties when I go and mum will get the main property. That will was changed two weeks before he died while he was in hospital seeing purple elephants crawl up the wall. Wow. Such that for those three kids to get their properties, because as tenant in common, that ends up in the estate, for them to get their properties, they had to pay mum an annuity of $90,000 a year. They had to pay all the liability off the main property. Um, And in the youngest child's case, that would have, because of the value of the property and mum's age and how long that would be, that could have ended up being a negative bequest. Wow. So you had three kids and mum and the estate. So that's five lawyers, five barristers, couple of valuers, forensic accountant, all involved in, and all sorts of issues because in the will you had rectification, construction, capacity, the costs involved in something like that going to trial, just ridiculous. Mm. Um, all for the sake of not planning longer term around what's my business, if I'm going to transition this to family, communication's key, mm. but also I'm don't do it in a will, please. Yes. <laughs> if you've got a family business, don't just do it in a will. Treat the business as a business and plan a business strategy for your exit that appropriately deals with the business and be communicating with the family around how that looks. Because if we've got two kids who've never been involved in the business, mum and dad might still want to leave them an inheritance. And if you're going to do that, you need to plan for that outside of the business so that you can actually leave the business to someone who is going to continue to run it forward. Because as I say to a lot of clients when I talk about this, if you do nothing, fine by me, because I will make more money out of the litigation (laughs) than I will out of preventing the litigation. I have heard you say that. (laughs) So do not allow your businesses to be owned by law firms, Um, because that's that's what estate challenges will do in family business, where there's things that are just left to a will. So think about very crucial in that scenario, in any of these business exits, costs are significant when you're thinking about the long term if you haven't planned for it from structuring, tax, all those associated issues, potential contract problems. Family business, you've then got to throw in the added problem of, am I creating a larger state challenge problem here? Mm. Because that's a whole different area of where are the costs actually going to end up and is that actually going to make the business no longer viable? So really important in that scenario to be thinking about the long term of the business. What's my structure? What's in my estate? What's not in my estate? Who has expectations of what? So therefore, what's the plan? And how do we document that so that everyone understands what's happening? Less likely to have a big fight about it when mum and dad aren't here anymore. Mm. Yeah. I think there's so many questions that we could be asking you on that succession piece and we might have to get you back another time to run through, I guess, procedures and things to think about because I think that we could talk about wills. I think in that family piece particularly um, as business owners, as people that might have businesses. Wills, discretionary trusts, all those sort of structural problems that can come in where, you know, children who are beneficiaries of trusts or beneficiaries of estates 
I have a lot of clients where mum and dad says my kids get on really well. <laughs> and and, and that's, that is great and frequently that's correct. But what a lot of people don't realise from a pure emotional perspective is that when people are grieving, they don't always behave the way you expect them to behave. And I think so. when it comes to money, it's a really big burn between a family member yeah. and not feeling that you've been done by. I think people measure their love based it's on what It's that emotion element, which you don't yeah. necessarily get in your separate corporate type structure yeah. business with independent people, yeah. depending on the personalities in business. But generally, the emotion levels are a lot higher in family business. Yes. And that can create problems because... Getting a result requires people to compromise yeah. in, a, in a dispute scenario. A lose-lose or in some ways. That's right. Like, so be slightly miserable. much harder to get yeah. people to compromise <laughs> if they're just acting on emotion as opposed to commercial, yeah. what's the best commercial outcome here. Yeah. I think that's been brilliant. And so, Kylie, I think there's, as I said, there's a lot of things we could be talking about. I think we'll definitely have to get you back to drill into some of those. I think that particularly the succession, there's a lot of business owners that are, I mean, someone at 30 is not thinking about it, but they certainly should be once they start to. And it's much earlier than to plan. Yes. So I've got a lot of clients in their 30s and 40s who are actually thinking, if I want to transition this to my children, now maybe they won't be interested in it. But how do I plan to have things yes. outside of the business? Yes. Because even then, if I want to sell it, you're going to have much better retirement even if the kids don't come in. Yeah. So the earlier you plan, yes. the better off you'll be. So my one takeaway, though, is spend the lot and leave them nothing. Yeah. Would that be right? Yeah. Die broke? Yep. I, yeah. I have clients. I say it's your money <laughs> until you're not here. So if you want to go around the world five times, please do. <laughs> Hey, look, I'm sorry to my uh, five children, but you're probably getting nothing. So <laughs> yeah. I probably... I've been very um, clear to my three about exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Kylie, thank you so much for joining us on yeah. this episode right, Thank of you very much Smarten for having Up. me. Yeah. We'll get you back because I think we've got a lot more to talk about yeah. and we want to try and cover a few more of those aspects. But yeah, until next time, everyone, we'll talk to you on the next episode. hope you've enjoyed this episode of Smarten Up Tax and Business. I hope you found the information valuable as you navigate your entrepreneurial journey. If you did, please leave us a review and share the podcast with your fellow business owners. Remember, what we've talked about today is not a substitute for getting formal advice from an accountant or lawyer that is more specific to your circumstances. But knowledge is power when it comes to getting your taxes right. And it can also save you a buttload of money too.